0: And um, so whether you're at our North Overland Park campus, in the venue, Elatha, online somewhere, uh, fear affects every single one of us. And when you're gripped by fear, uh, fear torments you. Doesn't let you sleep. Can't think about other things. Fear is not the way God intends you to live. It's not. And there's hope today, by the way, in Jesus Christ. And so uh, I did some research recently on fear, and I came across this kind of fun map, top searched phobias by state. Let's look at this thing. So here's the top searched phobias by state. Uh, of course, it's all about Grace Church. We know that. That's just, there it is. Uh, so here, so you might actually find, now these are not the top phobias by state, but in 2018, what are people searching for as they're exploring these different phobias or fears and so you might actually find some of the fears in your life on this list. There's the fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of failing, uh, fear of people, fear of the dark, fear of bugs. In Texas, apparently, everything is bigger in Texas, including their fears. It's the word everything. Uh, and this is actually, people are searching in Texas th- this year, it, just a general fear that something bad is going to happen. There's the fear of going to sleep, the fear of dying, the fear of being alone. And so fear, fear grips your heart. It can actually hijack your mind. You don't think straight when you're gripped by the spirit of fear. Um, it affects your body physiologically. It can affect your, affect your heart, your heart care. Can be affected by fear. So my first encounter with this is the hijacking of fear it was years ago. My sister and I were at the doctor's office together, both getting visits. Um, and I was like four, I think I was like four, five or six, we were talking about that. Um, and my sister got a shot with a needle. And so I was not a big fan of needles at that time. Uh and I watched her get the shot. And then I asked, Well, what am I here for? And then you're here for an oral vaccination. I said, what's the word oral mean? Well, that's in your mouth. And I had no idea that an oral vaccination was just drops. I was picturing a needle in my mouth. And I want you to know something. Doctors don't do that to you. Dentists do that to you. shot in the mouth thing. Anyway, uh, so fear hijacks your thoughts. Here's the thing my fears lied to me. Fear lies to you. See, I believe the lie. They're going to stick a needle in my mouth. I believe the lie. It's going to really hurt in my mouth. They just dropped my mouth. So my mom's signing check outside for the doctor visits. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of tall enough to kind of see over this. I say, mom, should I, should I feel weird? No, honey, you should feel fine. You can go fine. And she tells her, My eyes rolled back in my head, I went stiff as a board and wham. I knocked over the coat rack and they whisked me back in there. What had happened to me? Fears lied to me. Fears tormented. They hijacked my mind, my entire body. That is not the way God intends you to live. We're gonna talk about fear this week. And the weird thing about fear, the interesting thing about fear, is that in the Bible, the the most mentioned command in all the Bible is do not fear. More times, like hundreds of times, you read, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Don't be anxious. More times than any other. So here's the win, by the way. If all you do this weekend, I I was talking to my mom, and I, I said this sentence, she goes, I said, well, you know, fear is a sin. She goes, what? Can you repeat that sentence? I said, fear is a sin. I have never, she said, heard that in my life. Which means, by the way, you should confess that as a sin. When's the last time you confessed the sin of fear? He said, oh, God, forgive me. I've been afraid, because fear is a sin. It is it's a sin against God. You're either doubting his goodness, or his bigness, or his personal nature. God, forgive me for the sin of fear. Fear of dying. Forgive me for the sin of fear that you're not providing for me financially. Forgive me the sin of fearing this or that's going to happen. Or this is not going to happen. Fear of this. If all you do is start to confess on a regular basis the sin of fear, forgive. God forgives you like that. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for being afraid of this. Forgive me for that. That is the win. We're going to talk today about the one word solution to fear I would never pick. I can't believe it. Like I would think courage is the word for solving your fears. But all courage does is with your fears still there, you ignore them. God says there's a way to arrest that and cast those fears out. It's a word I would never pick. The one word solution to fear we're going to see in Joseph's life. And then we're going to talk about the one fear that's healthy, that you need to cultivate. It's misunderstood out there, but you need to cultivate this fear. What is that fear? you Do not fear. We'll talk about both of those in just a second. And so let me pray and then we'll dive into the story of Joseph. God, I do pray that you would, um, for those people who are gripped by fear and they're tormented and they can't sleep, they can't hardly eat, they're obsessing over something, they're afraid of not succeeding, something not working out the way they want, fear of something bad happening. God, that is not the way you intended them to live. That is torment. It is isolating. Fear isolates us from you and from other people. Fear is defensive and isolating and tormenting. And God, I pray you'd help us to see the one word solution you have for us in the area of fear. What is the one fear you want us to cultivate in our life? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're studying the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis. Why? Study Joseph, from the book of Genesis. On three levels, we've been studying this. Joseph's life foreshadowed Jesus and helps us today. And so we talk about Joseph's life is incredible from Genesis 30 through 50. You can read it in one sitting. His life foreshadowed Jesus. He's one of a number of characters in the Old Testament that their lives, they were going through things That were details that Jesus would go through. So we can learn about Jesus by studying the life of Joseph. And it helps us today. Our lives benefit from studying his life as well. How do you follow God in this world? We've studied three topics so far. Family of origin, troubles, and limbo. Family of origin, we talked about a couple weeks ago, the fact that um, we naturally assume that God is like our parents. Or God is like our dad. Which is both a strength and a weakness. Um... And so we saw Joseph's life. His dad was a manipulator. His mom was uh, dealing with inferiority complexes. And so the struggle to follow God with that, with that family of Ors, we talked about that. And how to view God in a healthy way, who he really is. Next week, we talk about troubles. The fact that God doesn't keep you out of all your troubles. Instead, he is with you, in and through your troubles. We saw Joseph at the age of 17 was betrayed by his 10 older brothers. They considered murdering him. They landed on selling him into slavery. Troubles. God was with him in his troubles. Then in his mid-twenties, his boss's wife lied about sexual assault. She claimed he tried to rape her. He did not. He left his coat there and ran away. He ended up in prison. God was didn't prevent his troubles, but was with him in his troubles. And so then, last week we talked about limbo. The fact that God's delays are not God's denials. Sometimes you feel like something is taking forever. And God is not saying no. He's just, it's a delay. It's not in your time frame. It's in God's time frame. So we saw him at the age of 28 now. He's in jail. And he interprets this guy's dream. Thinks he's going to get out. Guy swears, I will get you out at twenty-eight. Year goes by, two years, he's now 30 years old. He's in limbo. Nothing has changed. That's where we pick up the story now. So Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, has a dream, has two dreams, and he dreams about the next 14 years of their fiscal calendar, seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine, 14 years of financial forecast. Doesn't know how to interpret the dream. They pull Joseph out of jail, clean him up. He interprets the dream, and he says, you, put, you should put somebody in charge who knows how to deal with this. He goes, you're in charge, and gives him, makes him the second position in all of Egypt. Now, he is 30 years old, in the second position, and is here to save the world. Tell me that's not the story of Jesus, because Jesus is the second position. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. He's a picture of Jesus. And where Joseph went public in his ministry at 30 years old, guess what age Jesus was? It was around the age of 30, just like Joseph. And where Joseph was here to save the world, Jesus came to save this world. So Joseph pictures Jesus. We learn about him. And so today, what, what happens next? Um, so now we're up to the age of 30. He has seven years of leading the nation of Egypt. They're saving up food, saving up food. It's an amazing time. At 37, famine hits. And for the next year, everybody runs out of food and savings. So now he's 38 years old. And at the age of 38... He's selling grain. His 10 older brothers show up. He hasn't seen... He's 38. He has not seen them since he was 17. They don't recognize him. He looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian. He walks like an Egyptian, whatever that means. And uh, they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. He understands their language. He talks through a translator. Think about the person who hurts you worst ever. Who hurts you the worst? And imagine... They were under your control and you could do anything you want to them. What would you do? This is Joseph's situation. He's got his brothers bowing at his feet. He's in charge. He can do whatever he wants. Now what he wants to do is make them suffer, which you naturally want to do too. But it, it is this phrase that pulls him back. We're going to talk about the fear of God. So that's what we're talking. The, first, the one fear we need to cultivate is the fear of God. Now that's a strange phrase. Um, the fear of God, what is the fear of God? It's misunderstood from both directions. There's two extremes. On the one extreme, there's people who embrace this term and they're like, yes, be terrified of God. Like God's playing this galactic whack-a-mole. Just stick your head up. Bang, 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 bang. (laughs) That is not God. Uh, so you shouldn't embrace the terror of God like that. At the same time, uh, some people back away from this Like ter- They're terrified of the word fear So they're like Yeah we see here that fear The fear of God is not really fear It is more of a uh, A reverence A respect and I don't think that's right either I don't think that does it justice So here's a working definition of the fear of God Ask yourself if you have this fear of God The fear of God is a view of God Do you have this view of God That is awe-inspiring Ego-shattering, choice-altering, life-giving. It's not just mere respect, and it's not terror of it. Notice, terror that he's going to squish you like a bug is not in this list. Nor is mere reverence or respect. It is too big to put in a single word. It is awe-inspiring. God is the biggest and baddest and goodest, not a word should be, goodest in the land. And ego shattering, human hubris, ego, arrogance, squashed in the presence of the fear of God. Choice altering. You make different decisions based on the you serve the biggest, the baddest, and the goodest in the land. Life-giving, it brings you to life, others to life. And Joseph is about is about to be snared by revenge. Things snare us in our life, they catch us, they snare us. And what pulls him out of the snare of revenge is the fear of God, which is awe-inspiring, ego-shattering, choice-altering, and life-giving. It brings you to life. You see this story in Genesis chapter 42. Now turn to Genesis 42 if you want. You can join me in the story. Verse 6 and 7 it says, Now Joseph was governor over the land. And it was he... Who sold to all the people of the land, all these little communities all around who had famine, they all kept coming to Egypt, they had grain there. And Joseph's brothers, his ten older betraying brothers, came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. This is what he dreamed about at the age of 17, that his brothers would bow down to him, and it's happening! And he's now 38 years old, I can't believe this is happening! How would you respond if 21 years later the people who hurt you the most are bowing at your feet? You could do anything you want to them. You might be snared with revenge. Verse 7. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted a stranger to them. He talked Egyptian through the translator. As he's listening to their words, that sneaky guy, he heard what they were saying. And he said... It spoke roughly to them. The word roughly means intensely, harshly, severely. And he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, well, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And it's a back and forth. He says, you guys are spies. No, we're not. Yes, you are. You're spies. Tell them. And he hears them talking. You're spies and liars. Back and forth. And he's he finally has a plan. It's pretty harsh. He's like, I'm going to keep nine of you in jail and send one of you back to get... His brother, your brother, and bring him to me verse 16, send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison the, the nine, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison three days. Those are some sweet days. (laughs) (laughs) That dude spent years in jail. He gives him three days as a taste of it. And he's like, yes. Do I ever let him out? Do I not? What would you do if the person and the people, the group who hurt you the worst was totally at your mercy? He's snared by revenge. God says, don't take revenge. Let me take revenge. That's not your job. Revenge is not your job. That's my job. So what pulls him back from the snare of revenge? The fear of God. And it brings life. Look what he says in Genesis 42, verse 18 now. Then Joseph said to them the third day, pulls him out of jail, do this and live. The fear of God brings life. For I fear God. It's choice-altering. He changed his mind and softened his position. and did not take revenge because of the fear of God, which is awe-inspiring, ego-shattering, choice-altering, life-giving. Jesus talked about the fear of God, by the way. Uh, he said in Ma- Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Matthew 10, 28 says, And do not fear. There's the most mentioned commandment in all the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Do not fear. Do not fear those who kill the body. Don't fear murderers. But cannot kill the soul. This is not conceptual for Jesus. He's going to be murdered. He is going to be murdered. And he says, don't fear people who could just murder you. Because once they're done murdering you, they're done. Instead, rather fear him. Not be terrified. Not just reverence or awe. Like, I have to serve the biggest, baddest, goodest in the land, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Have that kind of awe-inspired, choice-altering view of God. He doesn't say he destroys everybody in hell. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, never intended for people. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins as an offer of love and redemption. But fear him who has the ability to pull people up, say, you don't receive Christ as Savior, you want to be judged on your works, okay. Who can roll roll out what actually happened in people's lives. And then he says, don't fear. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value. Don't fear your value to God. You're of more value than many sparrows. God loves you. Don't fear that, that fear that God doesn't love you, care about you, gave his son for you. It's what Proverbs 14 talks about. Proverbs 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord just keeps pouring out life and hope continually, this wellspring from the Holy Spirit of God, to turn. The fear of the Lord turns you, life all choice altering, to turn one away from the snares of death. So the fear of the Lord makes you make different decisions. Here's a picture of a snare, by the way. So what is a snare? A snare is not designed to kill you immediately. A snare is camouflaged and it catches your foot. And you stop walking. And the fear of the Lord draws you away from the snares of death. There's lots of snares out there. We get snared by things. Joseph was being snared by the desire to take revenge. What pulled him out? I fear God. You might be snared by gossip these days. You're kind of complaining these days. You like hearing complaints. You like hearing juicy secrets like passing on. Sin, sin, sin. What pulls you back from the snare of gossip? The fear of the Lord. might be unforgiveness. You're snared by unforgiveness. I'm not forgiving them. No, that's next week's topic. No way am I forgiving. They don't deserve that. What pulls you back from the snare of unforgiveness, which freezes you in your walk with Christ? The fear of the Lord. Secret sins, no one will know. Someone knows. The fear of the Lord draws you back from that. Are you being snared? Do you have the fear of the Lord? Awe inspiring, ego shattering, choice altering, life giving is the fear of the Lord. So now let's talk about fear in general. Do not fear. And uh, we're gonna look at the brothers now because the brothers had these interactions with Joseph. Every interaction with Joseph, they believe lies. Fears lie to you. They lie to you about God. They lie to you about yourself. They lie to you about others. Fears lie to you all the time. And you see that by the, the brother's believe lies about God because of their fears and Joseph because of their fears and themselves about fears. Genesis chapter 42. So essentially the story goes on. Joseph gave them all their money back, sent the nine back, kept Simeon. Why Simeon? Because he has ears. And he figured out who was the ringleader. Simeon, you're staying. Uh, but nine guys go back, gives them all their money back. They go home. They, they discover to their horror, the money is there. They wanted to pay the grain. And fears make them believe lies about God. It says in Genesis 42, verse 28. So he said to his brothers, My money has been restored. And there it is, in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid. Fear is a sin, and fear lies to you about God. Saying to one another, What is this that God has done to us? They thought God just poof, put gold in those bags. No, he didn't. Fears have you believe lies about God. God doesn't love you. God doesn't listen to your prayers. Not like other people. God cares more about others than you. God can't forgive you. You don't deserve that from God. You think God loves? God doesn't love. God judges. See, we believe lies about God because of our fears. They did. The story goes on. So they go away at the age of 38. Joseph sends his brothers away. They run out of grain. Now he's 39. They come back. At the first visit, Joseph's identity is hidden. Here's their second visit. And so what Joseph does, he sees them. He's going to award them. He's going to give them Simeon back. He's going to give them food and a feast and gifts. But because of their fears, they believe lies about somebody else's motives. Lies. It's not true about him. So it says in Genesis chapter forty. Uh, 45, 43 now, verse 18, now, the men were afraid, fear, fear is a sin, do not fear, because they were brought into Joseph's house, he's about to do good things for them, but they believe lies about his motives, that is not true about him, and they said, it's because of the money, no, it's not, fear makes you believe lies about other people's motives, Which was returned in our stacks the first time that we are brought in. So that he lies about him, Joseph. He may make a case against us and seize us to take us as slaves with our donkeys. Fears make you believe lies about other people. They're not for me. They're not for you. They're talking about you. They don't like you. They don't forgive you. They don't accept you. Who do you think you are? You think they love you? It's lies. It's lies. They don't love you. They're working against you right now. They don't really care about you. Fears make us believe lies about other people's motives. What are they doing? I bet it's bad. Lies. Lies, lies, lies. And fear makes us believe lies about ourselves even. Story goes on. So this is the second visit. At the first coming of the brothers, Joseph's identity is hidden from the children of Israel. But at the second coming of the brothers... Joseph reveals his true identity to the children of Israel, and they're stunned, which last I checked is the story of Jesus, because at the first coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, his identity was hidden from many of the children of Israel, but at his second coming, one of these days, he'll reveal himself, and they'll be shocked. So in the story, there's this fear happens in Genesis 45, he reveals himself, and they're afraid and believe lies about themselves, Genesis 45, verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. That freaked him out. This dude looks like an Egyptian, talks like an Egyptian, walks like an Egyptian, saying he's Joseph now. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. A word that means terrified. You ever been so afraid you couldn't breathe? Or speak? That's grip with fear. Panic attack level fear. Verse 5. But now... Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves. You believe lies about yourself when you have the sin of fear. Because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Don't believe that about yourself. What lies do we hear? You're fat. You're ugly. You're lazy. You're not worthy of love. You're a jerk. You're a moron. You're a failure. You're so stupid. You always mess up. It'll never work out for you. People hate you. God hates you. He's not going to answer you. Fears lie, lie, lie. So, what is the one word solution to fear? What's the word love? The love of God casts out fear. And that's weird for me to even say. It's weird to even say because it it's it's not like a direct connection in my mind. How does love cast out fear? You see that, by the way, in 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 16. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So, that's where it starts. The opposite of fear Fear is not courage. That leaves your fears there. You're just not listening to them. The opposite of fear is love. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Do you know the love God has for you? To give his own son, to be tortured, to die and buried and rise again for you. That's the love. Have you known it? Have you believed the love God has for you? God is love. Love doesn't say God invented love or likes love or does love. He is love, the definition of love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. This is a horrifying thought for me a few months ago. I was like, okay, so I'm gripped by fear. That means that I have no love. Where's the love? If in the presence of love, there is no fear, but perfect love, which means complete love, casts out fear. It doesn't say fears don't arise inside you. Absolutely they do. They arise and they tempt you inside us all the time. Lies about God, ourselves, others, fears, fears, fears. But once inside you, if you have perfect love, complete love, they arrest that love, arrest those fears, cast those fears out. Because fear involves torment. Can't sleep, can't think about other things, affecting your emotions, depressed, sad all the time, those kind of things. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So a couple months, it was like September, I was like, how in the world? I tried to diagram, this is my actual journal, so don't criticize, I didn't intend this for publication, but this is my actual, I am trying to process uh, what, how love is the opposite of fear. So this is a life of fear, this is me and this is another person I care about or another situation I care about. Fear is defensive. Fear is, God, no, no, no. You're not touching this. That's off limits to you. you. Fear is defensive against God and other people. That's why fear isolates you. You feel farther from God when you have fear because you're afraid. You don't trust him. You don't trust others. I'm going to protect me, my baby, this situation. Fear is, def- I wrote down, fear is defensive. Self-focused and ask the question, what does this mean for me or the situation I care about? What about me and the situation? I'm defending myself against God and others. How is love different? Next slide. It's not defensive. It's open. It's not self-focused. It's other focus. Here's what, here's what love looks like. When you receive the love of God through Jesus Christ, you're open to God. We have known and believe the love God has for us. You're open to God. Not defending against God. You're open to Him. You trust Him completely. It's the ultimate trust fall. You you trust fall into God because you know He loves you. You've known and believed it. And because of that, now you're open to other people. There's no defensiveness against other people. In fact, love is open. Love is other-focused. Love doesn't ask, what does this mean for me or my situation or this person? Love asks, how could this interaction benefit them? It's other-focused. Imagine the last time you had a really difficult conversation coming up and you were afraid of it. You are afraid of how it would go. This conversation, this interaction, and your heart was gripped with fear. That is, what does it mean for you? Fear is defensive. What if you flipped the script, accepted God's love, and said, okay, God... How could this interaction help them? What happens when you when you live that way in God's love? God's love arrests those fears. You have no place in me. Cast out fear. So which way is more like your life? Previous slide, the last slide. Are you living your life based in fear? Fear for what God may do or not do or let you do. Fear from other people defending you or this person, or this situation. Defensive, self-focused. What about me, me, me? Or the next slide. Because of God's love, are you open to God and open to others? And God's love just continually grabs those fears which arise in all of us, arrest them and cast them out. It starts with believing and accepting the love of Christ that God showed you 2,000 years ago. It's not the way God intended for you to live by fear. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would allow us to cultivate a view of you, which is the biblical, healthy, life-giving fear of God. Awe-inspiring, ego-shattering, choice-altering, life-giving. I pray also we would not live by fear. We know that your love, God's love, Grabs those fears and casts them out. Goes from defensiveness to openness. Goes from self-focus to other focus. Goes from what what about me? God, what are you doing in them? Lord, move in our midst. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info. At VisitGraceChurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to VisitGraceChurch.com.